When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Ah, rough one. Rough one out there. Uh, Flyers lose by a final of 5-2 to the Buffalo Sabres, despite outshooting Buffalo 40-15. to uh, Kind of a <laughs> statistical anomaly in this one. Flyers win... Uh, Flyers win the shot battle by, I don't know, 100. I'm not that great at math. They win 54% of the faceoffs. They have three power plays, uh, but it just isn't enough. They're unable to bury a lot of their chances, and we saw guys have tons of chances tonight. I'm just scrolling the box score here. Uh, Konechny, five shots on goal. Owen Tippett, six shots on goal. Neither guy was able to score. Cam Atkinson had five. He did bury the one. Farabee, three shots on goal. Of course, his goal 55 seconds in was a bit of a fluke there. And we'll talk about the uh, maybe some overpassing on some odd man rushes as the show goes along tonight. But story of the night is really not even what happened on the ice. Listen, uh, Buffalo came in with basically the exact same record as the Flyers. Uh, Flyers came in at 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. Buffalo was 4-5. and five. So now there, it is November 1st, and they are Hockey 500, Buffalo is. So maybe their uh, playoff dreams not exactly in the rearview mirror um, just 10 games into the season. But story of the game, Carter Hart is injured. Uh, he only plays the first 10 minutes. Looked like he got hurt pretty early in the game, stayed in for a few more minutes. But when he surrendered uh, what was officially the second goal uh, that Buffalo scored after the overturned uh, after the overturned offside goal, he comes out and Sam Erson comes in and it's uh, it's really not a hockey game. It's. I mean, the Flyers continued to look really good, especially in the third period. Uh, but Sam Erson didn't give them much of a chance. He only faced six shots uh, through his first 30 minutes of action, the last 10 minutes of the uh, 
of the first period and then through the second, it was, you know, just kind of, uh, I guess 20 minutes of action that would be, yeah. That, just kind of a blah, a blah performance from the goalie Sam Erson in relief. I didn't think he was, like, I don't know if I can put any of the goals on him. There were breakdowns, odd man rushes, but he didn't make any big saves. Uh, his final line is definitely going to be garbage. Uh, yeah, Erson allows a couple of goals on nine shots. So in 48 minutes and 31 seconds of ice time, Sam Erson faced nine shots and allowed two goals. That's not awesome. Uh, now, of course, Carter Hart allowed two goals on five shots. That wasn't great either. Uh, neither goalie really stood out tonight. But I do have to give it to the Flyers for what was a very, very solid effort, especially after those first 10 minutes of the game. Early on, this kind of looked... Uh, this kind of looked like the Carolina game did to me in which it did not appear that the Flyers were going to be able to handle Buffalo's speed. Uh, Buffalo off to a disappointing start to the season, uh, but they are, I mean, in the last 10 years, they've had 10 consecutive top 10 picks. They've added some talent like Tage Thompson, uh, Alex Tuck. They have a ton of first-round picks on this team, a lot of highly touted guys, and they are a skilled, fast team. And it looked like they were just going to kind of take it to the Flyers, even though the Flyers opened the scoring, like I said, 55 seconds in. Uh, but after Hart came out, it really looked like there was a concerted effort to tighten up. That really showed in the uh, in the second period, I thought, when the Flyers were able to outshoot Buffalo. What did the uh, – in the second, it's 10-4 shots, and in the third, 20-4. So over the final 40 minutes of this game, the Flyers allowed – the Flyers only allowed eight shots and registered 20, uh, 30 for themselves, and yet they lose this game 5-2. to two. I did appreciate the effort that the entire team made to try to protect Ayrson a little bit. We know he's off to a rough start this year. There is a better goaltender in there. I have to believe it. Uh, what we saw out of him last year was very strong, I thought, and this organization really believes in Sam Ayrson, but this is something I have to bring up with Charlie uh, because if you, um, <laughs> if you are like us and – this last decade of Flyers hockey has kind of turned you into the Joker a little bit. The idea that they've kept a third goalie for the first nine games of the year and then sent Felix Sandstrom down on a conditioning stint, I'm pretty sure it was yesterday, and now, and now they are without one of their goaltenders you just have to throw up your hands and kind of laugh at this one a little bit. Uh, the first period, I thought the team, especially early on, looked really bad. I, I do have to give credit, though, to uh, to the team's video replay, uh, the, just the video team. The guys who review all of the uh, all the goals against and everything kind of let, let John Tortorella know when to challenge. Uh, maybe I'm missing a few. Uh, or something, but I'm fairly certain that Tortorella and his staff are three for three on reviews thus far. They got a uh, goalie interference overturned a couple of games ago. They've had two offsides overturned. Usually these plays, it's like, hey, yeah, we'll give it a shot and we'll see, but the Flyers have been three for three. So if nothing else, I think the video staff has been on point to start this year. Uh, that fluky Farabee goal, I was just really 
it really looked like, okay, we're going to get some bounces. You know, things haven't been going the Flyers' way in the last few games. They fell to they fell to 500 after the 3-1 and one start, and it's like they're not really playing any worse. They're playing some really good teams, and maybe just a couple of things haven't gone their way. Power play could certainly be a lot better, but they're playing fairly well, and they get that fluky goal 55 seconds in, and I'm just like, oh, okay, so it's a – it's going to be a Flyers bounce game. Well, that was the opposite of the uh, of the case. I, their effort early, maybe they just needed to get up to the speed of the game, whatever it might be. But if to start a home and home with Buffalo the way they did, uh, you know, this is the home portion of it. They play again on Friday in Buffalo. Didn't love the start, but I do love uh, how they responded for the ensuing, you know, whatever it was, 50 minutes of this game. I thought they played fairly well. Um, they did seem a little tentative, though, and that's not who this team is going to be if they're going to have... Uh, if they're going to have success. Now, you can be overly aggressive. I thought on some of the odd man rush defense, maybe they were chasing a little bit. They were just trying to make a play rather than stay in their lane. I thought Zamula early made a mistake doing that. Sanheim, when he was back on the uh, the two on or three on two with Atkinson, I thought those two maybe got their signals crossed a little bit. Atkinson, obviously not a defenseman, so maybe not all that adept at defending odd man rushes, but uh, I, I just kind of didn't love the communication between the defenders on odd man rushes in this one. I'm going to talk to Charlie about that when he joins us live from the Wells Fargo Center after he, uh, after he completes all of his all of his journalistic responsibilities before he can you know, jump on with me and uh, bullshit a little and joke about how ridiculous it is that the goalie's hurt already after they just sent their goalie down. Uh, but right now, I got to talk to you about my friends over at Shady Rays. That's right. We are uh, advertising a sunglass company. I couldn't be happier about it because I love buying sunglasses. It's just one of my, like pleasures in life and I say that because it's not a guilty pleasure with Shady Rays listen you got to gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last and our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we wor we've worn durable frames and world class optics for all outdoor adventures Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. If you don't love your Shady Rays, and you will, but let's just say for some reason you're persnickety and don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back with personal and fast support, and this is the part you have to listen to because it's exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polar polarized sunglasses that's right 50 percent off if you buy two or more fairly certain that's like a bogo sale no well i'm not great at math so try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people uh yeah the first period wasn't the best effort of the year, especially to start for the flyers but i do love what i'm seeing out of one guy specifically 
Oh, baby, Cam Atkinson. It's, uh, listen, I've said since training camp that it would behoove the Flyers and their rebuild to, uh, move, to move Cam Atkinson, get as much as you can for him, whether that means you have to retain quarter of his salary, half of his salary, whatever it might be. But the way he is producing right now, man, a first-round pick might not be enough. This guy is on a 49-goal pace right now. Six goals in the first 10 games. He has been he's been phenomenal. There, there's really no other way to look at it. Like I said, he had five, six shots on goal tonight. Cam Atkinson has been everywhere. He's playing some of the best hockey he's played since he came to Philly. So that was really my main takeaway. He ties the game up late in the first period, and then it was kind of all flyers once we get to the second. Um, I do have to point out Travis Sanheim. I'm going to obviously talk to Charlie about him when he joins. Pair of primary assists in the first period. Uh, he ends the game with, yeah, two assists, uh, two shots on goal, 24-35. And listen, he's out there. He's out there quite a bit. He's out there for some goals against as well. We can't just we can't just throw away what he's doing in the defensive zone because you know he's producing some points. But he is producing. Uh, pardon my French, a shit ton of points right now, especially for him, uh, a guy who I've been begging for years to show us a little bit more offense. Uh, but there was one play, so he makes. In the uh, second period, the Flyers are on a power play. Makes a really, really sick puck handling play to get the puck down low and uh, set up, I believe, a scoring chance. But then, like, on the following sequence, he's back at the point, has the puck on his backhand, and just kind of throws a weak, blind backhand pass. Uh, gets broken up. Play goes the other way. And how does he react to the turnover? Throws a weak cross check, breaks his stick, and gets called for cross-checking to end the Flyers' power play. So it's, listen, there's a learning curve with Sanheim and a lot of this, listen, he's 27, 28 years old. It's not as if he's going to ascend much further, but I do think there's a lot more positive than negative uh, going on with Travis Sanheim right now. And even in losses like this one where it's like, oh, well, he's minus two and he had two assists. How good could he have been? Eh, you look at what was going on in net, it's like, all right, man, they gave up 15 shots and gave up five goals. So, it's, so that means what? They gave up 14 shots on an actual goalie because of the empty netter? In, in 57 minutes, they gave up 14 shots and gave up four goals? Like There ain't much you can do about that as a, as a defenseman. Like I said, he could have played, I think, one of the uh, odd man rushes a little better. And it, it just is what it is with him. It's hard to blame many of the skaters when – for 50 minutes, they dominated quite a bit of this game, but just couldn't put one away. And Buffalo was just able to take advantage of a few opportunities. Um, <laughs> I, 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 we're going to do like a little mailbag uh, that's going to drop tomorrow. And one of my questions is going to be about Tyson Forster. You can just tell he's gripping his stick. He needs one so badly. Uh, he gets a stretch pass in the second period. Um, rips a wrister. I, there was a defender closing in on him, but he had maybe a little bit more room to get another step or at least line up the shot. And he missed it by, I don't know, a county or two. Like, the puck uh, was, he shot the puck into the corner on a, what was essentially a one on O. He just so badly needs one. Uh, he's playing well. He's getting opportunities. You know, they're going to start going in. Goal scores are streaky. But they need it. They need it right now uh, if they are going to compete and win some games because 
yeah, they've been playing well. They look like a team that's a lot closer to mediocre than bad. That said, they're losing. They're losing quite a bit right now. They're not on a good stretch just in terms of the wins and losses and a lot of it can be drawn to their inability to capitalize on chances. They win the shot battle more times than not. They're generating all these chances. Owen oh, Tippett as well. He's only got, what, two, three goals thus far. He could be a lot better considering the number of chances he's getting. The only guys who seem to be converting regularly, uh, I mean, Konechny, he could have had a few tonight and just uh, mishandled the puck here and there, but he's been good. Atkinson's been good. Farabee's had a few more chances that you'd like to see him bury, but he's been fine. Outside of that, though, they just haven't been able to generate enough goals considering their puck possession time, considering how they're out-shooting and out-chancing teams. But that's what this rebuild is about. You look at what we've seen so far for this team, and it's... They're playing well. They have some depth. They have good structure for the most part. Uh, the goaltending when Carter Hart is in is pretty good. But they don't have that high-end talent. They don't have those guys who can just kind of take over and go, nope, not today. Put the puck in the back of the net. And then when you look at Buffalo, uh, you look at the uh, the guys who scored goals for them tonight. It's like, yeah, Casey Middlestat, okay. Uh, Owen Power, yup. Tage Thompson, yup. It makes sense. Like these are these are their best players. These are their high end guys, top of the draft sort of guys, taking over and burying chances. And that's what the Flyers are still missing. That's what we badly need to see uh, out of this team uh, if they're going to. I, I don't even like. How bad do we want to see them win? Like, it's hard to bury them when, like, half the fan base is like, "Well, losses are good," and when they play well and lose, it's okay. Great, so we're going to get a high draft pick, and the rebuild might not take as long as we thought. It's kind of the best of both worlds when these things happen. But if you're like me, as I've said before, you're sitting down watching these games, and you have half your brain telling you losses are wins, go with it, you know, hashtag trust the process, all that. And the other half of my brain going, I'm watching these games, and I'm a Flyers fan. When a Flyer takes a shot, I want to see it go in the net. And when it doesn't, I'm going to get frustrated it's we're getting both of it right now, you know, and it's, it's, I guess at the end of the day, ultimately it's best if they lose, it's best if they have the high draft pick, but you also have to think like how many games can you possibly lose when you outshoot a team 40 to 15? Like <laughs> it seems almost difficult to lose a game in that manner, but they pulled it off tonight. So if the process stays this way, they're going to win some more games. They just haven't uh, really since the first week of the season. They haven't won uh, at all. Maybe pucks start going their way. It's um, Bree is cracking up right now. So I'm like trying to explain to myself what's wrong. Like, do I want them to lose? Because you asked me that question earlier. You're like, so do we want them to win or lose? I'm like, I don't know. I honestly, I don't even know right now. By December, I'll have it figured out. Like, if they're bad, I want them to continue staying bad. But if there's an opportunity to at least play meaningful games into the winter and spring, that's good for everyone's development, too, to not be playing in fake games for half the season. Uh, so as long as they can stay competitive, it's not the worst thing in the world to lose like this. But you just have to ask yourself, 
how can you possibly lose this many freaking games when you're playing as well as we perceive them to be playing? Now, it's not all just like, oh, well, Sam Erson sucks, so that's why they lost. Yeah, when when you give up a couple of goals on nine shots, it doesn't look great. But at the same time... <laughs> These are there are major mistakes happening that are leading to the goals against. And I guess it's really hard to play a perfect game. It's basically impossible to play a perfect game. Like if every mistake you make ends up in the back of the net, that's going to be demoralizing. But now it's just a question of how can this team respond? Like how can this team deal with this adversity? Because that's part of development too. It's maybe not the worst thing in the world to – all right, we have this going on. We lost our goalie. We're on a little bit of a losing streak right now. Oh, a West Coast trip, West Coast trip looming next week. How are how is this team gonna deal with what they have going on right now? You know, a little banged up with Risto now. Carter Hart coming out. Those are two key contributors they're missing. I wonder. Um, just as a finish up my my game notes here. The uh, the third period, thinking about the uh, the Lawton Hathaway, basically two on zero against uh, against Lucan and Lucan played it well, uh, but I really thought Lawton screwed that up. When you have a goalie that deep in his net, one he should have cut to the middle a lot sooner. Um, I understand passing to try to open the goalie up, but do it sooner or at least look shooterish. Like try to give the goaltender the impression he's not going to just have to slide over and make a save on his doorstep that there might be a shot coming prior to the pass. Fake the shot, look up, do something, or throw it at him. Just throw it into his feet and see if Hathaway can poke home a rebound or there's some sort of scrum. Like, I, I just didn't love the way they, uh, they handled that one, and that was kind of recurring theme I think on some of the Flyers odd man rushes both ways I thought they misplayed odd man rushes defensively and offensively uh the Farabee the Farabee goal um in the first like yeah it ends up in the back of the net because he passed it and it deflects off the defenseman's stick and hops over the goalie and in and it's okay we'll take it I want to see Farabee shoot that puck. I I, I badly badly want to see him do it and it's the same thing like if you don't think you have the angle Try to bounce it off his pads and let the guy streaking to the net try to bury a rebound or something like that. But it's it's little things that this team's gonna have to gonna have to work on because they can't they're not good enough to make mistakes, not bury chances, and still think they have a chance to win games. They have to capitalize on all their opportunities. Otherwise, it's gonna be like tonight. Like, oh yeah, we we vastly outplayed Buffalo. Also, we lost five to two. Like that's what's going to continue happening to this team if they're unable to uh, to capitalize on their chances. And hey, fam, I got to uh, I got to talk to you about one of our newest sponsors, Calling All Card Collectors. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is "Cards and Community" because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps, Chrome Baseball, and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell and Ness, Forty Seven Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shibe Vintage Sports. 
Looking to grade your sports and cards collection? Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. So you can have your event there, get your cards graded, and get some cool merch while you're at it. They do it all. And uh, right now, you can stop into either their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days a week uh, at 11 a.m., and use code PHLY. Get 10% off any purchase of $25 or more in-store. That's right. It's not even an online, well, okay, I get you know 10% off or 10 $10 off and it's basically just going to cover shipping. So is it really even a discount? No, you can go in store and get $10 off with uh, code PHLY on any purchase of $25 or more. Also be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at wheelhouse cards. I was a, uh, I was, I was in the cards as a kid. We have some people uh, who are still big card collectors here at PHLY. I've seen a lot of what wheelhouse is doing. There's some really cool stuff, but when I hear they have uh, you know, junk food and starter and uh, shy vintage, going to have to check them out next time I am in uh, Wayne or Westchester. Uh, just moving on with some of the my other game notes. So Morgan Frost, the most discussed, as I called him on, uh, I believe it was yesterday's show, the most discussed flyer of the season, Mr. Morgan Frost, uh, his second game in after his six-game healthy scratching. Uh, I thought he was very noticeable in, uh, in Monday's contest. Not so much tonight. Did not love... <laughs> I had my wedding at Wheelhouse. They graded my cards while we exchanged vows. Well, there you go, man. There you go. I mean, they do it all at Wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, I, I really, Morgan Frost made a couple of plays at the end tonight. Uh, he had a chance, I believe, set up by Farabee with like 720 left in the third. Might be the first time I heard his name or noticed him at all. Uh, he returned the favor, I think, to Konechny, set up Konechny with uh, something that uh, Travis kind of like mishandled. They showed it on the broadcast. He probably could have gone backhand and maybe had a chance to score, but he tried to pull it back to his forehand, and by then he had just basically handled the puck right into uh, Lukanen's lap, and he was able to cover it up. Uh, but those two plays um, in the final you know, seven, eight minutes of the third period were all I really remember hearing about Morgan Frost and is something I'm going to discuss a little bit when Charlie joins us. There's always going to be a couple of guys or even everyone, you know, like a certain group of players who could have been better every night. It's very rare you get all, what, 18 skaters and your goalie playing their best game every single night. But from what we have seen at least thus far, Morgan Frost is one of the guys who is going to have to go above and beyond. He's not just going to have to blend in. He is going to have to stand out, I believe, to stay in this lineup, uh, especially after losses. Like after wins, it's, oh, yeah, well, it's tough. Coaches don't like to change the lineup after wins, this and that. Even in a game where they play this well, if the coach is looking for a reason, he's going to find one. And if you were one of the guys in that group of, I could take him or leave him, he will leave you. So I just need to see a whole hell of a lot more out of Morgan Frost. I very much believe he should be in the lineup, if not every night, 
pretty much every night. Uh, if it comes at the expense of Ryan Paling, as it is right now, so be it. I would much rather have a lineup that features Morgan Frost, Bobby Brink, and Tyson Forster than a lineup that doesn't feature all three of those guys. But we know the coach wants Scott Lawton higher in the lineup. He just loves him. And he really liked that fourth line. Uh, and Ryan Paling was the center of that fourth line. I would not be shocked if Morgan Frost is out of the lineup on uh, on Friday or Saturday with the back-to-backs coming up. And they, it could easily just be the excuse of, well, you know, back-to-backs, we want to give everyone a chance to play, this and that. But it's not going to be a coincidence to me if number 48 finds himself back up in the press box. Now, do I agree with that? I don't. Um, he's 24 years old. 40-plus points last year, 19 goals. This is a team that's struggling to score. You'd like to see him get going offensively. And in a year where they are recognizing the rebuild, I don't think it makes much sense not to give the kid every single opportunity and find out. Like, even if he stinks, like, I, like I'm not saying Morgan Frost is good. I'm not saying he's going to be a contributor when this team's in the playoffs in a couple of years. But I want to know. I want to know for sure. I don't want to leave it to chance. I don't want the possibility of, oh, yeah, he just didn't get the opportunity here and uh, he fit somewhere else and had a hell of a career as a second or third line center. We talked about the long-term viability, especially once Cutter Gauthier gets here. If they only see Morgan Frost as a center, is he going to be able to? Is he going to be able to outplay Noah Cates? Well, we know the coach really likes Noah Cates, and he plays. He's used in a much more overall role. He, you know, he's used as another shutdown guy. Plays the 200 foot game. Is he gonna outplay Cutter Gauthier? Jesus, I hope not. Like, if that's the case, uh, I'm. <laughs> I just said maybe the rebuild won't take as long as we thought. If Morgan Frost is better than Cutter Gauthier, it might take longer than we thought. Uh, but I just want to see. And if nothing else, increases trade value. If he plays well and you still don't see the long-term viability of his role here, there's no rule that says you can't trade him. Get something for him that maybe does fit. Maybe you can find a decent young defenseman who could uh, who could contribute to this team when they're when they're looking to compete for the playoffs and go and go on playoff runs in exchange for Morgan Frost. Who knows? You know, you you, you trade you, you got Sean Walker as a giveaway, and it looks like he can play a little bit. You know, so. Uh, I just want to give Morgan Frost the opportunity to prove he deserves to be here or prove he has trade value or prove he has no purpose and we can just move on. You know, we've spent way too much time talking about Morgan Frost not to find out about him both this year and the rest of this season, but got a hunch if there are lineup changes either Friday or Saturday, well, He's going to be one of the dudes who gets changed out. Uh, I got to get to my three stars of this one. I did want to highlight uh, Travis Sandheim. Not maybe his best game, but I did think he showed some uh, things. He's my third star of the game tonight. Really like Travis Sandheim. Uh, Cam Atkinson, number two. Can't, can't say enough about Atkinson from a guy who, man, I, I know I had my questions about if he was going <laughs> to 
if he was going to have a career at all after everything he went through, missing the time he missed, the mystery surrounding his injury, his frustration with the way his injury was handled, all of that was kind of surprised to see Cam Atkinson even come back to this team. Uh, But he's back had to establish some value and here he is with you know uh, six goals in the first 10 games of the season that is a uh, it's a hell of an accomplishment and typically I try to just highlight the flyers in these uh in these three stars segments but uh, how can we not you know if I'm going to go on and oh well, the flyers outshot him 40 to 15 and lost 5 to 2 well we probably have to highlight Uko Pekka Lukinen. Man, that is a lot of K's in his name. Uh, 38 saves against the Flyers tonight. A few really, really good ones. I mean, one of the goals he allows, I understand it has to count as a shot because, like, what, is Farabee going to get credited with a goal but not a shot? And is he is Lukanen going to get credited with a goal against, but a shot he didn't face to tank his save percentage? I get why those things have to be called shots, but, like, he pretty much allowed one goal on 39 shots, the way I look at uh, the game he played tonight. He was stupendous. Uh, Flyers had some opportunities. Again, maybe they overpassed on some, uh, on some odd man rushes, and maybe they just missed a few shots. Tyson Forster, again, you know, basically shot one into the corner and what was a one-on-one opportunity. Uh, but it's hard to argue with a guy who makes 38 saves in a game. So I have to, despite usually wanting to highlight flyers in the, uh, in these three star segments, got to give it to Buffalo's goalie Lucan and for his, uh, for his performance tonight. And, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, I'm trying, um, flyers keep things muddled to avoid, to avoid blame on one person from Dave P. You know, it's, that's not where I thought that game was uh, where that comment was going, Dave. But I do want to uh, this is something I'm going to ask Charlie about as well, because he had a tweet about it earlier in the game. And it was like they didn't look good early. The Flyers did not. Uh, but they, I wouldn't so much say, especially in the first and maybe second early second, they uh, they elevated their own play so much as they drug Buffalo into a rock fight. And while you would like to be able to go back and forth and trade ski speed and trade skill with any team out there, there is something to be said for being able to drag opponents into the type of game that you can have success at. Like the Flyers, yes, they've played a lot faster this year. I think they've impressed all of us uh, with their ability to push for more offense than they did last year, even though uh, maybe they're not burying all their chances. They're certainly a lot more fun to watch than they were last season. I'll give, I'll give them that. But on nights like tonight, when they just start out and do not have it, I got to be impressed with the, their ability to kind of hit reset and go, we have to drag them into a rock fight. We have to turn this game into, we have to turn this game into something other than what it is. If we're going to keep up with this team and damn, did they, they bottled up a, uh, a pretty talented and pretty fast Buffalo team for I don't know, what, 50 out of 60 minutes of this one. Uh, so I, I, I will have to give them uh, credit for that in, uh, in this. I am very interested to see, and uh, maybe Charlie has some clarity, but 
I doubt it. We know how this team is with injuries, and it just happened. I heard it was a uh, you know mid body injury for Carter Hart is the only thing we've heard so far. Which at least they didn't say body; they said mid body. So it's somewhere between his nipples and knees, I would guess. Um, I'm very, very interested to see how they handle the goalie situation going forward. Um, you know, they just sent Felix Sandstrom down on this conditioning stint. I believe he started tonight for the Phantoms. Um, shout out J.R. Avon. So he secured his uh, first career professional goal for the Phantoms tonight. Um, uh, like Sam Erson is someone they very much believe in. Uh, they want to get him more time. Maybe this is an opportunity for that. But if, if Carter Hart's going to be out long term, I wonder if all, all three guys, all three other guys we saw in the preseason get some time. Like, do they bring Felix Sandstrom up? Does he draw in a couple times? Do they leave Sandstrom down in the minors for his conditioning stint and call up Cal Peterson? I wonder. I wonder if we see some Cal Peterson uh, before all is said and done. You know, they're going to go out west. Um, You'd you'd think they're going to carry as many goalies as they possibly can for that trip, but you also have to leave the Phantoms with somebody. So I'm I'm just – this is going to be a very interesting – Maybe they just give Urson every game and say, screw it. We're going to win or lose with this guy. We want to see what he has. Here's his extended opportunity. We already just kind of don't believe in Felix Sandstrom. We don't think he's got any sort of future as an, uh, a viable NHL starter or backup. So, yeah, we're going to have him on the bench uh, because, you you know, you got to dress too. But we're basically going to give Urson every game until Carter Hart's back. I, I'm very, very intrigued. This is an interesting storyline going forward, especially with the condensed schedule they have. Uh, they have, you know, three and four days this week. They got to play uh, Friday and Saturday coming up. They have back-to-backs, and then they have back-to-backs Friday and Saturday as well on this three-game road trip. And now we are joined by Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. Let's see if we can get it on take one this time. Charlie O'Connor. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? Oh, my God, we've done it, fam. Charlie yeah. O'Connor, we can see and hear him on the first try. Shout out to Bree. Um, Charlie, I got I got a couple of things for you, but I guess we have to start with what is the biggest story of the night. I mean, allowing basically 14 shots and losing is a hell of a story, but it is Carter Hart. Um, right. Any sort of clarity about his, his status after coming out after uh, 10 minutes? So no clarity. Obviously we asked John Tortorella after the game. He said no update. He said they will probably no more tomorrow that said they're not practicing tomorrow so it's possible we won't have an actual update until friday the next time they play in buffalo um i will say that torts was speaking as if it might not be like that it might not just be like a no big deal kind of thing like he was speaking because we asked him about sam Harrison, and and he basically said like look he's gonna have to make stops if if if, if carter can't play sam's gonna have to play better and you know, is it possible that they find out this is just a little tweak and Carter Hart's back on Friday? Sure. I don't think that can be completely ruled out. But Torts was speaking as if it's at least a possibility that he could miss some time. Charlie, forgive me if I'm a tad skeptical. 
when they tell us something might not be a big deal and then we never see that guy again. Um, well, they, they, they didn't say that it wasn't I, a big I deal. Know, I, I was know, just I know, I know. I, I was making a point. What I'm yes. saying is I, I wouldn't like don't rule out the possibility that it's minor, but also know that John Tortorella was not like was not dismissing its severity. He was doing the I don't know. And OK. I'm sure they I'm sure they know at least to a degree because they literally have an MRI machine down there. You, you we were both there. We saw, we saw it. it. Yeah, they like, showed us. Yeah. <laughs> like they can at least get a general idea of, of what an injury is right as the game happens. So they at least have a general idea, I would think, if this is a, you know, season ending thing, which I I no way share for my saying it is, but like if there was that concern, they would at least like have a general idea and instead we got the well, we'll know more tomorrow. So we'll know more tomorrow. Charlie, I, I will say though, and this is this is you know the black comedy side of us here. Um, it's a little funny. Like hopefully everything's fine. It's minor. Carter Hart starts Friday. You have to at least be able to laugh a tiny bit when they've carried three goalies all year. <laughs> That's fair. Yesterday just sent Felix Sandstrom down on a conditioning stint. And now they have a goalie injury. Like it's a little funny. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a little, yeah, it, it's a little bit perfect. Word. That, that said, I mean, they can end the conditioning stint whenever they yes. want. If they want to bring Felix Sandstrom back up, it's not like they're locked in to him having a 14 day conditioning stint. That said, he hasn't played in over a month, so my guess is is that maybe they would want him to get in some AHL games before they would even call him up to be the backup. We might see a situation where if Carter Hart is out for a few weeks, maybe they bring up Cal Peterson to be the backup. They use Sam Harrison as the starter. They let Felix Sandstrom get his feet wet with some conditioning games in the AHL, and then after two or three of them, they bring him back up and they send Peterson back down. I could see that. That said, it is kind of funny that they kept three goalies for this long and they send the one goalie down for a conditioning sit and then immediately Carter Hart gets injured. If if in the depths of your heart you can't find a little bit of comedic irony in this, you're not trying hard enough. Um, or you're just not a Flyers fan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone, if you're if you're not a Flyers fan, you're definitely laughing at this. I mean, it's hilarious if you're not a Flyers fan. Well, I'm just fan. saying I'm just saying if you are a Flyers fan, you've gone through this so much that yes. you have if you're still on board, you just have to laugh because that's the only way you can cope with this shit. I am I uh I'm fairly certain Sandstrom started for the Phantoms tonight, so if they just wanted him to get a game, he's at least yeah. he's at least you know warmed up a bit going into you know they have back to backs Friday and Saturday. I'm very interested to see how they handle the uh, the goalie situation moving forward. Uh, I want to talk to you about Travis Sanheim tonight. Couple primary assists in the first period. Also made some mistakes, uh, but ultimately. It's very hard for me to blame a defenseman or the team when they allow essentially 14 shots on the goalie and give up four goals. Uh, you know, like it's even like some of the I'm not saying Sam Erson's to blame for the goals, but he wasn't making any saves. But Travis Sanheim, uh, you treat you tweeted earlier in the game. He looks like a number one through 10 games. He has definitely been good. Where? How do you grade Sandheim tonight? Where do you see his play going? Like, do you see him maybe ascending, playing even better? Has he been steady? Like, what's your what's your overall vision? What's your view of Sandheim through ten games? 
I mean, I thought he was really good tonight. I, I guess if you wanted to be extremely nitpicky, you could say he could have been a little bit more aggressive on that odd man rush for the the third goal. But like the guy at fault there is Cam York for the bad pitch. Like what once once you get in position where you're facing an odd man rush, you know, yeah, maybe he could have switched off a little bit quicker, but you're already in hell. Like the the problem with that play was Cam York decided to pinch too late and then got caught. That was the problem. So I'm not going to pin that on Sanheim. I thought Sanheim was fantastic on the two goals. You know, he, he his pass on the Farabee lucky one was fantastic. And then his entire play on the Atkinson one, both the initial pass and then jumping into the rush and then setting up Atkinson. I actually, I specifically asked to talk to Sanheim after the game for the sole purpose of wanting to find out if he actually intended to make that pass to Atkinson or if that was a shot that kind of got tipped and then ended up becoming like an accidental pass to Atkinson. And he said it wasn't really a pass in the classic sense. Like he wasn't thinking that far ahead. He was thinking like, I'm getting pressure from behind. I'm going to put the puck in a spot get and hope an that area. Atkinson can go yeah. get it, get it to an area. And then Atkinson makes an incredible play with the tip, but still that's a creative play. You're putting the puck in a high danger, in a high danger area, and you're giving your talented goal scoring forward a chance to make a play on it. Atkinson has to make a great play on it, but it's still a really good play by Sanheim. I thought Sanheim was really good. His underlying numbers in this game were great. If you're asking me whether I think he's he's getting better, I, I don't think I would go that far because he hasn't been perfect. He, he's made some mistakes. I thought I, I'm, I'm thinking back. I think Saturday's game, I did not think he played that well. I, I thought he had a big time bounce back game today, um, but I don't think he's getting better. I think I'm just surprised that he's holding it because like. He, I thought he had a great game one. Obviously, he struggled in Ottawa. Then he bounces back with a few more strong games. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, Sanheim looks real good, but small sample size. You know, we, we have, what, seven years of Travis Sanheim being inconsistent and having a couple really good games, then a couple really bad games. So while I was saying he looks great, I wasn't about to say he's going to continue to look great. And through 10 games... You know, he's had a couple bumps in the road, but like, honestly, and no way, shape or form am I comparing him to these kind of guys, but like guys like Kale McCarr and Victor Hedman have have mediocre games, too. It's just when you look at the, the, the sample size as a whole, they have much more great games than they do bad games. And I think through 10 games, Sanheim has had many more great games than he's had med games or bad games. Yeah, I think we got the... Um... There was one sequence, and the two assists were great. I think it was a second-period power play uh, where Sanheim made an awesome puck-handling move to keep the puck in the zone and uh, actually circle around and set up something. And then on the very next sequence, throws like a blind backhand pass that gets intercepted, and then he reacts to that by throwing a weak cross-check and <laughs> ending the power play, getting called for it himself. <laughs> I just, oh, yeah, I that, was, that was rough. The complete roller coaster of Travis Sanheim right there, but I very much agree. As critical as I have been of the guy over the years, uh, there haven't been a ton of flyers who've been better than Sanheim to this point this season. Like, it's a short list for sure. Yeah. One of them yeah. who might be challenging, though, my boy. GMs around the league take note. One first round pick might not get it done. Cam Atkinson, dude. Like I, I was curious where you were gonna take this. I didn't know if you're gonna throw Sean Walker into me or something. <laughs> not not quite yet. Not quite yet. Uh, but Cam Atkinson is right now, Charlie, and I did this math on a 49 goal pace. That's right. He is just absolutely on fire to start this season. He's a guy who I questioned his future here. I questioned his future in the league. And and he looks 
he's playing some of the best hockey he has in orange and black, even prior to the injury and stuff. What's like, what's the feeling around Cam Atkinson right now? Is he just so happy to be back? Is everyone just pumped for him? Like, I, I'm just, I'm happy for the dude. How's everyone else like kind of reacting to his starts of this season? Look, Cam Atkinson is a popular guy in that room because he's a good dude. You know, he, he's he, he's a funny guy. He's an outgoing guy. And and he's a, a respected veteran because a lot of these players have watched him in the league for years and they really respect his game. They respect what he brings to the table. So I think everybody's happy for him. I think a lot of these young guys are getting to know him because obviously he didn't play all of last season. So he was around, but he wasn't really around. He wasn't really part of the team in the classic sense. Now he is. And they're being able to lean on him. I'm actually, I'm working on a piece. Might be out tomorrow morning, might be out tomorrow afternoon. Depends on how much I can get done when I actually get home tonight. But I think the changes they're making to the system here in Philadelphia, which is legitimate. Like they are legitimately changing some of the things. They're playing a more aggressive style. I think Torts is leaning on Atkinson to kind of show the way of what he wants done because Atkinson, Atkinson, has threaded a fine line through his career in Columbus with Torts and now also in Philly, where he's an offensively oriented guy who takes who takes risks. He will he will will jump the zone a little bit early. He'll hang out in the in the, in the neutral zone looking for long passes, but he does it in a way where he doesn't piss Torts off. Like he has he has the ability to do it, but not do it so egregiously that Torts gets infuriated by him. And I think a lot of guys, like I think Travis Konechny is kind of the same way, where he's sort of found that balance too. But Atkinson's found that balance for a decade. So Atkinson can talk to guys like Bobby Brink. He can talk to guys like Tyson Forrester and say, look, this is how how you maybe cheat a little bit for offense, but don't cheat enough that you piss off the coach. So I think Atkinson definitely will help in that regard. And I think that's part of the reason why he's off to such a good start is because the changes that they're looking to make to the system, he's already mastered because he's been doing this for a decade. That's It's uh, like, okay, we can't be three steps ahead like maybe Kevin Hayes was last year. Right. But a step and a half, that's perfect. And, like, Atkinson skates hard enough and is fast enough to make up for it. And the thing about, like, even coach like Tortorella who says things like, safe is death, they say that. But they only really believe it if you convert when you take those risks, you know? Sure. And Cam Atkinson, throughout his career, has been a guy, 25, 30 goals, like six already this season. He converts enough that he has the coach's trust is the way I look at it. Like, yeah, you take your risks, but you better fucking score more than you don't. Like, <laughs> otherwise, you're just a guy who ain't playing no defense. You, you score a little, and we can accept it. If not, eh, you're, you're going to find yourself up in the press box. And speaking of the press box, Charlie, Morgan Frost, um, I thought through about 55, 53 minutes tonight, he might as well have been up in the press box. Uh, he made a couple of plays late in the third period, set up the uh, the Konechny chance. Uh, I think he set up a Farabee chance as well. But uh, we've talked about how maybe he's one of these dudes who, if there's a group of players who could have been better, he will be the one who has to go above and beyond if he doesn't want to be the one singled out. Um, we said they're probably not going to you know, put him in for one and take him out. Now he's played two. But with the back-to-backs coming up and a couple of losses, if they're going to change the lineup, you think it's going to be Morgan Frost? Because I was not impressed with him tonight. 
See, I actually disagree with you. I thought he was fine. And I thought, I, I actually thought he set up quite a few quality scoring chances. I think right now he is getting hurt by just how snake bitten Tyson Forrester is because yeah. I thought he set up Tyson Forrester for quite a few legitimate scoring chances that Forrester either flubbed or missed or got stopped because apparently whatever Tyson Forrester tries doesn't go in the net so far. So, no, I actually I thought I didn't think Frost was incredible. Don't get me wrong. I didn't think he was one of the best players on the ice. But I thought that like there's an alternate universe where he finishes his game with two assists and we're like, hey, great game by Morgan Frost. I just think that I think he was very heavy on the playmaking and his line mates didn't score on the plays he set up. That's, I thought he was just much more noticeable on in uh, Monday's game and in this one until the last like seven minutes I did not notice him. And he did create a few scoring chances at the end there. Uh, and like one is right before they go down and make it 4-2. And it's like, well, that's a two-goal swing. If he sets that up and the score is 3-3, I think totally different about the game Morgan Frost had. I agree with you there. I just thought he didn't do anything to stand out. And not saying like, oh, he should absolutely be set. Right. I, I don't know what he is. He can be in the lineup. He cannot. I think he should be in the lineup as much as possible. But knowing how this thing has gone to this point, I'm not going to be surprised. But if your assessment is more correct than mine, then maybe I miss some shit. Definitely possible. Yeah, I miss shit all well, the time. I, I, look, I, I think I think what it comes down to with Frost, and I don't think this is being harsh. This is just the reality of the way he plays, is that, look, He's not a guy who brings a lot of other things to the table aside from his offense and his scoring. So if he's not scoring, eventually you're going to take a look at it and say, okay, well, what would you say you do here? Like we're doing, we're doing some office based stuff. So like he does have to score and eventually if he just continues to not score, he's going to be held accountable again. But I, it, by my eyes, by my eye test, and also by the numbers, if you look at the numbers from uh, from Natural Satrick, he finished with a 70.29% goal, uh, expected goals for share, so pretty solid there. Apparently, they had a lot of time in the offensive zone with him on the ice, which does match what I saw. So I, I think he's been playing fine, and I think if he keeps doing what he's doing, eventually some of the passes that he sends to his linemates are going to go in the net, and suddenly the points are going to get there. But look... This isn't a guy who they're going to be sending out to kill, you know, to kill the final two minutes of a game or is a staple on the penalty kill or things like that. And obviously, yeah, he's on the power play, but like, look at how bad the power play is. So it's not like anybody really has their spot locked in there. So look, if, if we go another two, three games and Morgan Frost is still sitting at a big old zero in the points, then yeah, he might get he might get scratched because it's like you got to bring some tangible offense at some point. I do think, though, he's doing enough thus far that you look at and you say, hey, eventually some of these are going to go in for him, whether they're his shots or more likely the shots that he's setting up for his linemates. I, uh, and you mentioned how snake bitten, especially Tyson Forster is. Uh, I'm going to do like a quick mailbag after this. We're going to drop it on the YouTube tomorrow to have a little off day content, Charlie. And one of the questions we're going to get uh, that I'm going to answer is going to be about Tyson Forster. Man, like the dude, I, I just had it in front of me. He had four or five shots tonight. Uh, oh, no, that was he only had two tonight, but a couple of them were prime chances. He whiffed on one. Uh, there was one shot. He was basically coming in one on oh and loads up for a big wrister. And I said he missed it by a county or two. Like if the boards weren't there, this shot could have gone to Delco. 
Uh, like it was nowhere close to the goddamn net. Is this just like goal scores are streaky? He's gripping his stick a little hard. When he gets one, he's gonna get eight. Like what are you seeing with Forster right now? Because it's not like he's not getting chances. It's not like he's invisible out there. But his stat line remains invisible. I think. Let me put it this way. I think there are some guys on the team that are just they're they're doing all the right things and the goalies are just making big saves against them. I think Tyson Forrester is absolutely gripping the stick too tight. A hundred percent that's what it looks to me. It looks like he is trying to score four goals every time he gets a shot. And therefore he's scoring zero goals every time he gets a shot. Because like, look, we all know he has a plus for a shot. We all know he's a natural goal scorer, and he knows that. And he he also knows that that's his ticket to the NHL. That's how he's going to stick as an NHL player, and it's got to be in his head at this point. It has to be. It, how could it not? Like, this is his chance. He's been given this opportunity, and it's going the opposite way that he wants because he just can't put the puck in the net. Like, I tweeted this during the game, and I hold to it. This kid so desperately needs, like, a shot to go in off of his knee just to get the goal. No, like, he, the Farabee goal tonight, he needed that goal. You know, yes. like, just anything, literally anything. If he takes one off the eyebrow and it goes in and, it, like, he's <laughs> bleeding, that's a good night for him. You know, oh, like, he just, thrilled. he needs something to go his way. Uh, we talked a little bit about the odd man rush defense. I didn't like the way they played their odd man rushes on offense or defense tonight. Now, like, the the um, the Sanheim one, like you pointed out, bad pinch by York, and it's Atkinson back. So it's like... Sandheim knows it's a forward. The forward doesn't know how to do it. He kind of overcommits and it get behind him. The Zamula odd man rush defense, I think on the first goal, I didn't love. But I want to talk about the odd they, man They were rush. just backing up the whole time. Yeah, he that just was backed. Rough. It was Andrew McDonald defense. Um, yeah. uh, the odd man rush offense, though. Uh, we talked about Farabee's goal. Fluke. Why is he passing that, though, dude? Like, shoot, rip that thing. Uh, you got lucky, but rip it. And the uh, the Scott Lawton 2-1-0 pass to Hathaway. Yeah. Um, goalie's all the way back in his net, so I get, like, passing to try to open him up a little bit. But you're right on top of him, and at no point was there a question of if Lawton was going to shoot. Like, the Lukanen could have just stood on the other post and been like, here, this side's open. You're not you're not shooting like don't they just have to look a little shooterish in those situations? Yeah, I, I, look, I agree with you. I hundred percent. I mean, that Lawton play was obvious that Lukanen was playing the pass. He knew Lawton was going to pass it, and Lawton obliged. And also, like, look, I like Garnet Hathaway, but Scott Lawton is a better offensive player than Garnet Hathaway. And sometimes, if you're on a two on one, you have to take note of who the other guy on the two on one is. Like, nothing infuriates me more when like you have. Travis Konechny on a two-on-one with Nick Delurier and he passes like come on dude like look I get you're trying to be a good teammate here but come on like you got to take that shot knowing who's the other guy on the two-on-one and I think that was the case there for for Lawton too that he should have shot it I do generally think I'm like I'm generally okay with looking to make the pass I do because I think that does tend to increase the, the quality of the next shot if you pull it off all things being equal that said, you need to bring deceptiveness with that pass. You need to, to, to outthink the goalie in that sense. You need to read what the goalie is anticipating. Scott Lawton didn't do that. Joel Farabee, I guess the Joel Farabee one, if he was galaxy braining it, maybe he, he planned it all out. You know, he was, he was planned to direct it off of the stick, but 
Golf score is golf. But but seriously, I, I think this is another instance. And look, if you get odd man rushes, you're going to score goals. Like yeah. you're more likely to score them probably over time. Like these last couple games, this happens over the course of a hockey season. And that's what John Tortorella said. I, I more or less asked him after the game, you know, is there something the guys are doing wrong in terms of finishing? Or is this just what happens over an 82 game season over a couple games where you just can't score? And he more or less said, like, yeah, it's just hockey. Like this happens. We just got to keep doing what we're doing. It's going to work. That said, and this is important, and this goes back to what I've said all, all year about the power play, there is an element of, I think when you have less high-end talent up front, you're more likely to struggle a little bit more than other teams with that high-end talent on odd man rushes because you're just not as creative. You don't have the same you know, sniper of a wrist shot. You, you don't necessarily have that ability to outthink a goalie you know, the way a Kaprizov can, things like that. So I, I would say that, yes, they could do better on, on odd man rushes. Yes, over time they will do better because it's impossible for them not to at this point. But also, I think it's fair to assume that the Flyers might be worse than the average team at finishing on odd man, odd man rushes because when your best players are Sean Gaturi and Travis Konechny and on a great team, those guys are probably like your fourth or fifth best forwards, then, you know, probably not going to score on every odd man rush the same way that Colorado will. And like when I just look at the goal scores tonight, the difference in the game, like, okay, Biro for... Uh... I don't even know who that is, quite honestly, for Buffalo. <laughs> but, like, Casey Middlestat, Owen Power, uh, Tage Thompson. Like, yeah, that's a – while they're not off to the start they want to be, They this is a team with a ton of – I think they've had 10 top 10 picks in a row. Like, these last 10 or, like, 10 of the last 11 seasons, something like that. And you're, you're just seeing it. Like, these are – they have high-end guys, and they have some finishing ability, and that's the difference. Uh, but uh, it kind of leads to – Something else I wanted to ask you about, a tweet you sent. You uh, you said it early in the game, like the Flyers weren't sharp early, but kind of dragged the Sabres into the kind of game that the Flyers could be competitive in. Like, yeah, we would love to match skill and speed with anybody, but there is something to be said into like forcing your opponents to play a game that you're more comfortable with. Like the first couple yeah. minutes of this game, even though they scored the early goal, I'm thinking, oh, this looks like Carolina. Flyers cannot handle their speed. They cannot handle their skill. And then when Hart comes out, they basically turned the game. Yeah, like they changed the momentum of the game and it was just like, we're not going to go back and forth with you. We're not going to let you build speed through the neutral zone as much as possible. They have some turnovers and stuff, odd man rushes, but they gave up fucking 14 shots. Like... <laughs> They like, is there not something to be said? Like, this is a skill, isn't it? Like, to be able to force teams into playing a different game. Yeah. And I, at the risk of sounding like a little syncophanic here, like, it's a lot of coaching. It is. And, and this, this is where you get the benefit of having a coach like John Tortorella, who is a good systems coach, who is a guy who gets a, gets a team playing in a structure and gets them playing consistently the same way every single shift without making dumb mistakes. Because, look, when you're playing a team like Buffalo, the worst thing you could do is make glaring mistakes. And you, know, you saw it on the Tage Thompson goal. Noah Cates, second straight game, he makes a bad play in the defensive zone. You're not going to see him do that, do it that often, but he did it. Again, and what happens? Tage Thompson gets the puck in deep. And look, when you got a 50-goal scorer who is a plus shooter with the puck in that spot, he's probably going to beat the goalie, especially when it's Sam Erson, who's not off to a good start this year. So 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that if the team keeps playing the way Tortorella wants them to play, they're going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to, to drag teams down, not necessarily to their talent level, but just inter, into the game that they want the other team to play. Because, look, it's still hockey. You're still going to frustrate a team more than you're going to beat a team. Like, that's just the way it is. You know, you, you can slow down a team, and it's just the way the rules are set up. And the Flyers have a coach who can coach the Flyers into being able to make up for some of their inherent talent weaknesses. I just, yeah, we got a comment from Barry Schaefer here. Uh, Bill sounds like the old school devil. Someone help him. Listen, I'm just playing the cards <laughs> I'm dealt, man. <laughs> If they could be the Colorado Avalanche or the Carolina Hurricanes, that would be dope. But I'm just playing the cards I'm dealt. And speaking of cards, wheelhouse. Now, I already did. I already did that read, so we're good. <laughs> uh, Charlie, was there any particularly funny um, uh, Tortorella-isms in the press conference tonight? I mean, it's a pretty bad loss, so he might not have been in the mood. But anything that stood out that he said? Not really. I mean, he was very coy about the heart stuff, which one would expect a coach to be. Um, I, I thought he was very blunt about Samuel Harrison, though, which was I wouldn't say it was funny, but it was interesting because he basically said, look, I like the way that we're playing. I like that we're playing more aggressive. I like that we're taking more risks. But if we're going to play this way, we're going to need some saves from our goalie. And he said, look, it's not like those were easy saves that, that Arison had to make, but we're going to need some saves. And if Carter Hart misses time, Arison's going to need to step up. He's just going to have to do it because we're not going to stop playing this way. We're going to depend on our goalies to bail us out from time to time when we take risks and they turn into scoring chances. And thus far, Arison hasn't bailed them out. Really, not even – I can't – it's not that Arison's giving up terribly weak goals. It's that he's not making tough saves. Like that's the problem. And that's what he's going to need to do. If he ultimately ends up having to step in as the number one for a little bit of Carter Hart misses time. Yeah, like I wasn't, I wasn't left with the impression that Arison sucks tonight. You know, like a lot yeah. of people after the Anaheim game were like, bring back Felix. Is Cal Peterson really that bad? Like, I was not yes, left with the impression like, oh, this guy needs to go. He ain't got it. Uh, but it was like, dude, make one. Like, just... Yeah, exactly. One, like, just even from a momentum, like, you just snag one, and then suddenly, like, everyone feels a little bit different. The Flyers also, like, on the other end, though, like, fucking put one in. You, know, you had 40 shots. True. Like, put one in. Um, anything uh, else you think needs highlighting tonight, Charlie? Not really. I, I think the only thing I'll say, and I, I tweeted about this after the game, is that, I mean, this is kind of the perfect rebuild loss. You know, this is the ideal loss for a rebuild where you outplay the other team, you work hard, you, all the numbers look good. You see good things from a lot of young players that, that, that flash signs that like, hey, they might be able to drive play. They might be able to create a lot of scoring chances and you still lose. And now the Flyers fall just a little bit further down the standings, which puts them in a little bit better position to get a high draft pick. So like, again, here's the thing. Watching a loss in real time stinks. But over time, more losses aren't the worst thing for this Flyers team if it means getting the number one defenseman they really, really need in the draft this year. Now that we're into month two, I think I'm a little more accepting of it. Like, all right, it was a fun little start. And and listen, especially if they're going to play well and like the games are entertaining yeah. like they've been. 
Uh, maybe Sam Erson should start every game. Maybe Carter Hart's back's a little tight. I don't know. All right, Charlie, uh, get home, get to writing, get to work. You don't do nearly enough around here. So uh, chop, chop. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bill. All right. It's uh, Charlie down at Wells Fargo Center. You know, he he's he's one of the lucky ones. He gets the press pass. He's there for every game. But if maybe you're looking to get into the Wells Fargo Center to see our Philadelphia Flyers play, you should do it with Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed uh i just a little programming note before we wrap things up uh i know a lot of people look forward to the flyers after dark post games as of right now i am sorry uh but it does not look like we're going to be doing post games on the west coast trip that doesn't mean there won't be any content uh, we are going to do our regular live shows on those days next week. Charlie is going out on the trip, so he'll have stuff uh, from the West Coast, and I'll be doing shows in studio all week. But I don't think we're going to be doing the live post games. Just to let everyone here know, uh, a lot of you people, and I always appreciate anyone who shows up for the live show, uh, but I don't think we're going to be doing them next week. And just uh, while we're on, while we're on some house cleaning... I got to tell you about FOCO. FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, uh, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need, need for game day, or maybe you need some accessories or toys, collectibles, novelty items for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set, you've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. FOCO. Now, we've moved on from the overalls, but they do have these... Um, it's not the brand that you associate with this, so I don't want to say the brand, but like uh, blanket hoodies that look pretty sick and pajamas as well. I was going to get some for the late night post games next week, but since we're not doing them, I'm not going to make Vince pay for that for me uh, if, if we're not going to do it. But those look pretty cool. The, uh, the hoodie blanket things, those might be. Those might be replacing the overalls on a cool team apparel. I saw one big one with gritty. They're reversible. So maybe we're going to go there. Uh, I think that basically wraps it up for post game tonight. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, uh, the podcast, wherever you find podcasts, PHLY Flyers. Go to allphly.com. Become a diehard member. There's all sorts of benefits. It's pretty dope. Uh, that'll do it for me. For Charlie O'Connor, my name is Bill. Mats. Have a great week, Philly. Go, 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 go.
Silly like the mayor. 